Hit me fine? Y'all good out there? All right. So um, this morning, we are going to start uh, a teaching that what I want you to do is to challenge me on it. I want you to hear the word that I say, and there will be parts of things that I'm going to say that because we have, those of us who have lived in church for a while, uh, may not immediately uh, grasp, hold, or respond positively to it. But here's what I know. Jesus is Lord. Amen? Amen. On that we can agree. Amen? Amen? Amen. The rest of it we'll flesh out. But uh, I have been on this journey uh, unlearning so many things that I learned. And how many of you know just because you learn something doesn't mean it's right? I mean, just even even if you can recite it doesn't mean it's right. Um, even if you've taught it doesn't mean you taught it right. But I, so I've been on this journey to understand um, this thing we call faith, because I believe that the Bible says that all the promises of God are received how by faith. All the promises of God are what received by. So if we're going to get the promises of God, we must have what. But I also understand that we have to be careful because the Bible tells us that we cannot trust in our own works. And if we're not careful, we can make faith a work. And the reason we can make faith a work is because we tend to start looking at things from a legalistic standpoint where we start checking off the boxes of all the things that we have done and we call that trusting or believing God. But there is an element to this thing that we're going to talk about today that involves you doing your part and God doing his. And if at any time one of those fail, manifestation doesn't take place. Let me give you a, a visual example. You all have seen a scale before, right? So if you have a scale and you have five kilograms on one side and five kilograms on the other, the scale is balanced, right? At any point that you deviate either one of those sides from five kilograms, the scale is going to go one way or the other. And whichever one is the heaviest is the one that's going to be on the lowest end. For you and I, we have to be careful that we are not putting so much work in our faith that we are forgetting about what God's already done. Amen. Now, that, that may not sound, that may sound like semantics at first, but I want to get into the message. And, and usually I do my message in outline form, uh, included with a, a couple notes and a couple jokes. Uh, I don't have no jokes this morning, okay? <laughs> They may come up, but they're not intended. Uh, what I did do, though, is I took the time to actually kind of write out my thoughts because I didn't want to get lost in it. Because even when, I was, when I'm preaching this to myself, when I'm going through, when I'm talking to God, I find myself reverting back to some of my Kojic teaching. Now, 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 let me tell you what that means. That means that I feel like sometimes if there's any sin in my life, that is justification why God doesn't do something. Now, the truth of the matter is, a lot of y'all feel that way, too. You won't say it, but I give you an example. Let's say that you need God to bless you financially. And you ask God to bless you financially, and it doesn't happen, at least in your time frame or when you need it. What we do is we don't blame God. What we start doing is looking in our life, seeing what it is that we didn't do first. Now, take a neighbor. Say, neighbor. That sounds noble. That sounds noble. 
but it's also considered works. Now, 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 stay with me because what happens is, is that we know we we know God enough to know it ain't God's fault. So we figure if something didn't happen, then it must be whose fault. I've even taught it that way. The truth of the matter is, is I'm going to show you today that the reason is probably not working for you and for me is because the truth of the matter is when you uncover all the layers, we are no better than the, than the Jews. We are still trusting in our own works. I'm going to show you some scripture today. I'm going to have you to read it for yourself. I'm going to ask you to tell me what it means. And we're going to talk about it because there are some scriptures that we have used in the past. Unknowingly, we've added things to it. And the Bible says you should not add anything to the word and you should not what? Take anything from it. All right. So when we begin to talk today, I'm going to start in Romans chapter 10. When I start in Romans chapter 10, I start there because I think it's one of the most the most elegant principles of what God has done for us. Let me ask this question before we get started. Any saved folk in here this morning? If so, raise your hand. Any saved? Anybody saved going to heaven? Know you're going to heaven? All right. Good, good, good. Those you don't know, we'll, you, you, you can change that this morning. Listen, the gospel, okay, is the most basic foundational message of the entire New Testament. Yet it is by all accounts also the, mis, the most misunderstood. When, when, we, when we use the word gospel, somebody tell me what the word, and this is kind of a teaching class, day. tell me what gospel means. Just, just what you think, what does it mean? Good news. Good news. Good news. Have we ever heard that before? Good news? Good news? That's actually not quite what gospel means. When you go back and you look at it in the Greek, what it actually means, and you'll find out that they didn't use the word a lot, Paul used it a lot. But, but, but other people, remember Paul was both trained as a, as, a, as a Jew and he had some Gentile learning. So Paul uses this word gospel when other people didn't. We've been told that it means good news. But, but good news is, we, we hear good news all the time, right? They had a baby. That's good news, right? Gospel means nearly too good to be true news. Now, 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 now let me explain why, why that is. Lots of people have babies. Okay? So the fact they had a baby is good news. But it's not nearly too good to be true. The gospel is about a news that is almost unbelievable. And if you study Paul, and we will today, here's what Paul says when he talks about the gospel, and he begins to say that it's this nearly too good to be true news. He says, here's what happened. Christ died for you. And when he died for you, it was a finished work. All you have to do now is to believe in what he did. Not in what you did, not in what you could do, in fact, I'll show you a prime example. And I don't want to deviate from my notes too much, but, but y'all said y'all saved, right? What happened when you got saved? What, were you in church? Anybody in church when they got saved? Anybody at home when they got saved? Okay. When, when, you, when somebody told you you need to be saved, what did they say you need to do? What did they say? Okay, y'all just quote the scripture, but what did they tell you to do? Uh, they, what did they tell you to do? Okay, they told you to repent. Hold on. They told you to repent. If you went to a church... They told you to repent. What does it mean to repent? Not you Bible scholars who are going to give me the total definition. We don't get. What does it mean to repent? 
Who do you repent to? Why? Why do you repent to God? What are you repenting for? Is that what it says to do to be saved? So now we're going to go by what they said or we're going to go by the Bible? Because I, I want you to see this. I want you, I re, see, this is why I'm starting this way. I want this discourse to begin. I don't care how far we get today. I want to begin a discourse with you that's going to shake you from everything that you used to think you know. You said that when you got saved, they told you to repent. To repent means to tell God you're sorry. You're sorry for your sins. All of them. Past and, okay, you're asking God to forgive you for that, right? Why? Right. That's what they told you. Can we actually look at what the scripture says about it? Because I think if we look at what the scripture says about it, it'll reframe the reason we do some of the things we do. Now, I told you, I'm going to challenge you this morning. I want you to challenge me back. I want you to spend this week trying to disprove me. And the reason I do is because I tried to disprove me before I ever taught this to you. So let's look at Romans chapter 10. Let's go to Romans chapter 10. I believe with all that is within me that today's religious system is not preaching the gospel that Paul preached. I don't think that we, Sean Strickland and I, have always taught it the way Paul taught it. I think what happens is that we have, we, we've left trying to scare you into, in, into doing right, and we kind of try to told you you need to do right. But, but I have to be honest, we've even kind of told you that if you didn't do right, there's some things that wouldn't work for you. Makes sense, right? I mean, you can't just be doing whatever and, and, and God's still blessing you, right? Well, who told us that? See? Hold on. Hold, stay with me. Because if you fade out on me, you never get to hear the rest of it. When people challenge your thoughts and beliefs, you got to have an open mind. Lay your hand on your head right now. Say, Father God. Say, I, I declare that I stay open, even when I don't want to be. All right, all right. I'm not talking Carlton Pearson gospel of inclusion. I'm not talking that. I'm not saying everybody saved, everybody going to heaven, da, 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 da. What I'm talking about is this idea that somehow we have to do these particular things to get God to respond. It's just not true. I'm going to show you why. So the Bible says, brethren, my heart, now this is Paul preaching, right? This is the one who used the word gospel. It's the one who used the term gospel that means what? Nearly too good to be true news. It says, brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel. Say, I am, I am a, part of Israel a part of Israel because you've been grafted in now that you're saved. So Paul's praying for you even though you didn't exist then. He said, is that they might be what? Saved. That word saved there means to be delivered. Okay? He wants you to be saved from sickness. He wants you to be saved from financial debt. He wants you to be saved from divorce. He wants you to be saved from hell. He wants you to be saved from everything. This word saved don't just mean going to heaven. And if you only think saved means going to heaven, then you miss out on all that God wants to do for you. He says, for I bear them record that they have a zeal of God. He's talking about the Jews. He's talking about the people who literally uh, was telling Paul, that's not what it takes to be saved. He says, they have, a, they have a zeal of God. What does it mean to have a zeal of God? 
They have a passion for God, okay? They're excited about God. He says, but not according to what? Whose knowledge? God's. They, they got this idea. We got this idea of what it takes to be saved. It's passionate, but it don't always equal up what God said. Next verse. He says in verse 3, for they be in ignorance of God's what? Oh, if I could underline that, I would. Ignorant of whose righteousness? God's. Whose righteousness? God's. Not our righteousness, but God's righteousness. He says, and because they're ignorant of it, they go about to establish their own what? You got to pray enough. You got to fast enough. You got to give enough. You got to come to church enough. You can't sin. But if you do that, you are establishing it based on your own righteousness. He says, they have not submitted themselves unto who? God's righteousness. Because when you submit yourself unto God's righteousness, it's no longer law-based. I'm going to say some things today, and I'm going to have to keep clarifying them, because I'm going to say some things that's going to push you. And the reason I'm going to push you is because if I can push you beyond that, I believe we can see some things begin to happen faster in our life. A lot of us are judging what God can do in our life based on how good we have been. And if you don't believe that, all you got to do is think about something you don't have now, and immediately your mind races to what you could have done differently. But if you could have done it differently, you didn't need God. You just could have done it differently. Okay, all right, stay with me. It says, for Christ is the what? For what? But who is it for? That. So God's righteousness is for everyone, but it only works for those who believe. How do I know? I'm jumping around. I shouldn't, but I'm going to do it. The Bible says, I would that no man would what? Perish. So God's want, God wants everybody to be what? Saved. Will everybody be saved? No. Does everybody have the potential to be saved? Yes. We're going to find out what you have to do, though, to be saved. Saved don't just mean going to heaven. What do you have to do? Let's go to the next verse. I think we're going to, to, going to skip five and go to six. It says, but the righteousness, which is of what? So whose righteousness? So God's righteousness comes from what? It speaketh on the wise. He says, say not in thine heart, who shall ascend into heaven? That is to bring Christ down from above, verse seven. Or who shall descend into the deep? That's to bring Christ again from the dead. Verse 8. But what saith it? He says, the word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth. Okay? The word is nigh thee. What word? The word that bringeth forth what? Salvation. Say, the word, the word that, bringeth forth that bringeth forth my salvation. My salvation. What do we say salvation was? Deliverance. Deliverance. In what area? Uh-huh. Every area. So in order for you to be delivered, you don't have to do something different because the word of deliverance is where? In your mouth. Watch this. And it's where? In thine heart. That is the word of faith. Which we preach. It's the word of praise that Paul preached. The word of faith that the word of faith church is preaching right now is a lot of works. When you tell somebody you got to sow a seed to receive, 
When you tell somebody they got to get hands laid on them to get healed. Now, 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 now Paul said to bring them, but the bringing them was never supposed to be. That's why they were healed. The bringing was the act of faith that came based off a So stay with me for just a minute. Let's go to verse number nine. It says, if thou shalt confess with thy what? Who? The Lord Jesus. So that's the mouth part. What's the heart part? And shall believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead. Thou didn't say nothing about repentance. Didn't say nothing about asking God to forgive you. Didn't say nothing about going to the altar saying, Lord, I'm sorry. How many we said, pray the prayer of salvation? You don't find it in the Bible. There is no prayer of salvation in the Bible. Why? Because what Jesus did, he took care of 2,000 years ago. He didn't save you today. You walked into salvation. Someone said, well, pastor, that sounds like semantics. It's not semantics. It's the difference in playing a basketball game to win and playing a basketball game not to lose. Those are two totally different things. And what we have been doing, if we have been trying to do all of these things to somehow get God to do something. I'm going to say something. That's gonna, I, I was going to save it, but I'm going to do it now. God has not, Jesus has not saved. He has not delivered. He has not gotten people out of problems. He hadn't done anything in 2,000 years. He ain't did none of it. Everything everybody has ever received since that time, they woke up to it. You keep asking God to do something for you. He ain't doing nothing else. He said on Calvary, it is finished. So anything you don't have, you haven't woke up to the fact that it's yours. But we keep telling people they got to do something. You got to do this. You got to do that. You got to do this. You got to do that. You got to do this. You got to do that. You got to do this. You got to do that. And as long as we can keep telling people they got to keep doing something, they keep coming back to church. We tell people you got to get sin out your life. You got to get sin out your life. If you don't get sin out your life, God can't bless you. That's a lie. How do I know? Because he blessed you when you was in sin. It's how you got saved. let's, Let's pull back some of the stuff we've been taught before. Let's just pull it back. Now, I'm not advocating sin. Absolutely not. I'm not advocating for you to sin. We're going to talk about that in a minute. I'm not advocating for you to sin. What I'm saying for you is that sin ain't never been an issue for God. Sin has never been an issue for God. Sin has never been this thing where God says, oh, you sin, now I can't bless you. He would be unorthodox to do that because he blessed you when you were in sin. The Bible says it like this. You and I don't sin anymore because we don't live where sin is. He says, you're, you, you lived in a house that was made out of sin. He said, but you made a journey to another land, to a place of righteousness, God's righteousness. God's righteousness declared you to be right, not that you were. Tell your neighbor, say neighbor. Say you will never be righteous. The only way you get to live in the righteous house is you get invited in. Watch this. Somebody had to build the righteous house first. 
So God got Jesus to go and die for you and I so that you and I could be a part of the righteous tribe. So we now live in the righteous tribe with the righteous God. You don't have to be right to live in the righteous house if you got an invitation. Oh, but pastor, you telling folk they can just do whatever they want to do. Listen, I, I say it like this. People say, pastor, if you teach this, because I was talking to a guy, he said, if you teach this, he said, you are going to give people a license to sin. Last I checked, folk didn't need a license. Last I checked, they didn't, they didn't need a license. They was doing everything they wanted to do. The Bible says, for God so loved the that he gave his only begotten that shall shall ever and they shall not die. That includes Hitler and Trump. God, watch this. God died for everybody. What Carlton Pearson was saying, he missed the mark on, but he had a revelation that a lot of people didn't give him credit for. The revelation that he had was that Christ died for everybody. And that sin doesn't send you to hell. It doesn't. What sends you to hell is not rejecting, not confessing who God is. But once you have confessed who God is, the Bible says you have been born of an incorruptible seed. And once you have been born of an incorruptible seed, that seed cannot be corrupted. So now sin is really no issue in my life because it doesn't do anything to me. But pastor, if people sin, what about consequences? There are consequences to your sin, yes. You can't go shoot somebody and think you're going to get off scot-free. But it has nothing to do with the power of God in your life. It has nothing. What? Well, you, you can't shoot somebody and get off scot-free. You can't. What? Touche. 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 I appreciate it. Touche. 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 You can't be a POC. A person of color and shoot somebody else got for you. Okay, that better? All right. Here's what I'm telling you though. We use sin as though sin is some great blocker. Sin is no great blocker. It's not. And if you if we stop thinking about it so much, we will become righteous conscious rather than sin conscious. Tell your neighbor, say neighbor, whatever you focus on gets magnified. So when you go to a church and they spend 45 minutes talking about sin, what do you think people leave thinking about? Sin. That's, that's all week. That's what they think about. Try not to sin. But the Bible says that if you keep one of the laws, you got to keep them all. So if you keep one, I ain't cuss nobody. You got to keep every other one. And if you don't, you don't qualify. What kind of life is that? Okay, I don't even know where I was. Where was I? I, I didn't get so. Okay, let's go. Verse For with the heart, what happens? Man believes unto what? Wait, 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 wait. How do you get to be righteous? You don't act your way. You don't work your way. You believe your way. 
So, Pastor, you mean to tell me my actions don't have anything to do with me believing that God, that, 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 my actions don't have anything to do with believing that, 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 God, that Jesus is the Son of Man? It doesn't. Because how many of you love God? How many of you done sinned since you love God? That's my point. If the qualification is that you can't sin once you love God, we all messed up. So tell your neighbor, say neighbor. Sin is not a factor. It's not. It's not. I'm going to show you why. I'm going to show you why. I haven't even told you the title of the message yet. I'm going to show you why. It says, for with thee, for with the heart, man believeth unto righteousness. And with the mouth, what? Is made unto what? So the only qualification according to the word for you to receive from God is to believe and to say you believe. Any other qualifications added to that is dogma. It's doctrine and it's poor theology. Now, now, now this will get you kicked out of most churches, but since I started this one, I'm cool. The reality of it is, is that when you start to peel back the layers of what you've been told, what they had on that covenant on the wall, what they had in that little black Kojic book, whatever denomination you came from, when you pull away all of the man stuff and you start looking at what, because here's what we say, here's what we say, because people are challenging me, they say, well, you know, that, 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 that's, that's not detailed enough. Well, wait a minute, we just said the Bible is the infallible, word written word of God. So if we believe it, you got to believe it. Right. And he says, you don't add nothing to it. And you don't, so when you tell me that in order to get God to work for me, that I got to be tithing enough, I got to be praying enough, I got to be fast enough, I got to be in church attendance, I can't have a bad attitude. When you start putting all these other things on me, you have now deviated from what it takes to receive. Because what, what does it take to receive? To believe and to say what? You believe. The Bible says to, be, to, to receive salvation, here's what we say. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. That's what I believe in my heart. The Bible says whatever comes out of the heart, whatever proceeds out of the heart, comes out of the what? So once I believe in my heart, I what? And I receive what? All that other stuff they add to that is just not right. It's just not. And if you can show me in the word where it says that you have to do all these other things, that you have to repent. And I I use that example because we all were told that. You got to repent. You know what the word repent really means? It means to turn. It just means to turn. And watch this. Because God is whatever we need him to be, if we turn today, but then we turn back and we need him to help us turn again, he'll help us turn again. Yes. Boy, y'all looking at me like, I don't know if I'm coming back here next week. <laughs> Listen, let's go to verse 11. I think with verse 11 where we finish. It says, for the scripture said, whosoever... Whosoever believeth on him shall what? Not be ashamed. It didn't say for whosoever paid enough tithe. Let's just say this. Say there is is no amount amount of works works that will get me me manifestation. manifestation. You know how you get manifestation? You believe your way into it. That's how you get it. You believe your way into it. You, 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 know how, you know how people are able to receive the thing? People say, oh, I had faith for it. What does that really mean? What does it really mean when you say you got faith for it? It means you believe in God. But what do you believe in God based on? 
a word. A word that says what? Based on what? See, you have to ask the five whys in class. Here's the reason that we say we have faith and that we believe God's word. We believe God's word because of what Jesus did 2,000 years ago. Everything is based on that. If Jesus has to do anything else, then it's not a finished work. If you have to work for it, then you are doing it, not God. So the title of my lesson <laughs> is living, living between grace and faith. Grace is God's part. Faith is yours. In order to receive manifestation, there must be a balance. If God's doing everything, you won't ever see it. If you're doing everything, you're just going to be frustrated. You have to understand that there's this balance between grace and faith. Now, let me see if I can get back into my notes for just a minute because I do some things I want to say. Today's gospel that is preached in so many churches across our country is actually mixed with a lot of law and a little faith. Or it's mixed with a lot of faith and a little law. Either one of those causes corruption in the too-good-to-be-true news. In fact, the book of Romans was primarily written to explain the gospel so that anybody could understand it. In fact, theologians will tell you that it was written so simply that you almost have to have somebody help you to misunderstand it. Unfortunately, in America, we've had a lot of people to help us misunderstand it. We've had a lot of people to help us misunderstand the word of God. I want us to go to Romans uh, chapter 1. Well, we went to, we, we, let's go to Romans chapter 1, verse 16. We haven't been there. Let's go to Romans chapter 1, verse 16. I need to get back on my notes for just a minute. Say grace, grace. And, faith. and faith. It says, Romans chapter 1, verse 16. It says, for I am not ashamed, this is Paul talking, of what? The Gospel of what? So I'm going to read the way I, when I study my Bible. For I am not ashamed. I am not afraid of being fronted because I believe in the gospel of Christ, the, good, the, too, uh, the nearly too good to be true news. Because the nearly too good to be true news is the power of God unto my deliverance in every area. To everyone that believeth, that includes me, to the Jews first, that wasn't me, and to the Greek, that was me. That right there says, Paul says, I am not ashamed of the nearly too good to be true news. Why am I not ashamed of it? Because it is the power of God. If you don't do anything today, underline this phrase, power of God. Power of God, get you a concordance when you study this out, and everywhere you see power of God, it is translated in one word, grace. The power of God is grace. It is God, now, now, now we talk about this all the time because Pastor Sean has taught this. What is grace? Another word for it is un 
unmerited favor. So for the purpose of our discussion, let's talk about that. Grace is unmerited favor. Grace is when you get something you couldn't have paid for with your life. Grace says that you had no ability whatsoever to even come close to it. It says that the nearly too good to be true news is what's powerful. It is the power of God. Why is it the power of God? Because it cannot be duplicated by anybody else. Grace cannot be duplicated by anybody else. Not the kind of grace that Christ did for us on the cross. It cannot be do. No, listen, they tried it with lambs. They tried it with bullocks. They tried it with doves every year, and nothing was good enough. The only one that was good enough to make sure grace would abound to everybody was Jesus. And Jesus says, when I finished doing what I was doing, the grace that I brought was finished. It was a grace that was going to last for eternity. So if you and I have been saved, you and I were saved by grace. We were saved by grace because why? Somebody said, well, we have faith. What do we have faith for? To believe in what he had did. That's what faith is. Faith is believing in what he has done. If we stop and think about this, it's actually a pretty radical statement. Because the word gospel, as I said earlier, means nearly too good to be true news. But Paul is saying in this passage that we, were, we should not be ashamed of the gospel. He says, for it's the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and then to the Greek. The gospel is the power of God that is talking about grace. When we, when we, I'm going to give you a definition on grace, and when you see it, you're going to understand it. Let's look at Acts 20 and 24. Acts 20 and 24. It says, but none of these things move me. Neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy in the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the what? Grace of God. The gospel, the, too, the nearly too good to be true news of whose grace? God's grace. In the New Testament church, that's really all they preached. Somehow we have added so many things to it. But if you just read just the New Testament, not with your theology, not with what your church taught you, but if you just go and just study it, just strip it down and study it, the, the New Testament is all about God's grace. It's all about what God did. And the only thing that we're required to do is not even to believe. See, sometimes we go, well, you just have to believe God can do it. That's not, what that's not true. You can't believe that God can do it. To believe that God can do it insinuates it hadn't been done. See, sometimes we, you have to be metacognitive. I've said that before. You have to think about your thinking. And if you don't think about your thinking, you'll say things that work against you. Like you'll say, oh, God's going to heal me. When? Because the truth of the matter is whatever he did, he did 2,000 years ago. So we, don't, we shouldn't be saying God's going to heal me. What we should be saying is, I thank God that I am healed. I just got to wake up. Let me give you a prime example, okay? Because people be inboxing us, and if you follow us on Facebook, you've been seeing all the crazy stuff that people be talking about in their life. It's a great example, though. Somebody asked a question. They said, if you had a friend, and that friend had a, had a, a friend, a boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever it was, and that person was cheating on them, would you tell them? And so many people was like, it ain't got nothing to do with me. 
Some people are like, yeah, I'm telling. Because I think the question was like, would you take the $10,000 and tell? Some people are like, I'm going to take the $10,000, then I'm going to tell. No dishonest self. <laughs> but watch this. Most people in the post, though, said this. I wouldn't tell, but I would do something that they could see for themselves. There's nothing more powerful than seeing for yourself. I can tell you about healing. I can tell you about deliverance. I can tell you about getting over depression. I can tell you about believing for a baby. I can tell you about financial freedom. But ain't nothing like getting revelation for yourself. Ain't nothing like being illuminated. Ain't nothing like getting revelation. To go. And it's funny because we were talking, to Pastor, Pastor and I was talking, we were talking about revelation. You know how revelation comes? In a flood. You can literally be in class and not understand a thing the professor talking about, right? The professor will say one thing that makes sense to you, and now the other ten things that they were talking about, you're like, oh, okay, well now I get this and this and this and this and this. Why? Because revelation comes as a flood. The gospel, the nearly too good to be true news, is trying to get you and I to wake up to what God has done. Not what he's going to do, not what he can do, not what's going to come, not what might come. What he's already done. And for a lot of us, we aren't there yet because our minds have been trained to keep believing what God's going to do. Look at how we pray. Can we be honest? Look at how we pray. Lord, heal us today. Take us through. Guide us, Lord. Help us, Father. Lord, we pray, we, we believe, we receive death freedom, Lord. But you already got it. And until you can make that switch I believe everything within me, that's why I, I, was, I, was, I was praying about it. I believe everything within me, that's why it happened so fast with Pastor Cynthia. She, it's why she can blow $10,000 and, and, and say, Lord, I shouldn't have done that way. I, I, I want my other 10. And she just gets it. We talk, everybody in the family talks about how is she able to just believe God and stuff just happened for her. And you know what we do to help ourselves? We go, well, that's just Pastor Cynthia. Or we say stupid stuff. Her faith is greater than ours. No, it's not. She has tapped into a revelation that we ain't woke up to yet, which is that everything God has for her is available now. It's available right now. God ain't going to bring it to her. He, to, it's like this. If I went and bought kids in a car, what kind of car you like? Any kind, what kind of car you like? You, you don't dream big. Okay, CTS or Bugatti. Okay, either one. <laughs> <laughs> you gonna go mine? You gonna go mine? Okay, okay. Let's say so. So if I went today and bought Kedron a Bugatti, okay, I bought the car for him. Okay, it's his car. Okay, when does it become his car? When, see, see, see that. See, some of y'all said when I give it to him. But when does it become his car? But if I don't give it to him for a week, does it mean he didn't have it? No. The moment I bought it, the moment Christ. Bought you back. The, the moment he hung his head and died. The moment. The moment that he did it 2,000 years ago. Everything that had your name on it became yours. That moment. But we keep thinking, oh, I ain't got it yet. I ain't got it yet. And as soon as we can get the understanding that we have it, manifestation shows up. 
It shows up because there has to be this balance between grace and faith. Listen, let's look at Romans, uh, Romans 1. I, I know I got Galatians 1 and 6, 6, but let, let's go ahead and go to, to Romans um, 1, where it says, For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. Let's look at Romans 1. I think it's verse, maybe, maybe verse 17. Because I want you to see this because if, if we understand this, in, in Romans chapter 1, uh, I think it's verse 17, is it? Yes. It says, For therein. Is the righteousness of God revealed? How is the righteousness of God revealed? How do we know that God's righteousness is real? Because we, it says from faith to faith. But we've been taught that faith for faith means believing for more and more. But it's not true. That's not what faith to faith is. Because we say faith to faith, level to level, glory to glory. No, no, no. It says for therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. We keep knowing about God's righteousness because we keep believing. You believe today and you see God's righteousness. You believe tomorrow and you see God's righteousness. You believe next week and you see God's righteousness. The moment you stop, the, the moment you start forgetting about that he has done it, you move out of faith. And you move into works. And when you move into works, all you can get is what you can produce. That's, think about it. If you're a farmer, right? And you say, I don't need the rain, I don't need the sun. I'm going to do everything myself. Watch, watch this. You don't need the rain, I don't need the sun, I'm going to do it myself. You go out and you plant your ground. Get you this black tarp and you cover it. And the only way you get sunshine is you go in there and you hold a light. The only way it gets water is you go in there and you pour the water. Do you think you're going to have a bountiful harvest? No, you might get something. But it ain't going to be nothing what God, like what God could have produced with the sun, with the rain. And as long as you are trying to do it yourself, you limit on what you can get. But at the same time, God's not saying you can't just throw seed out there in the ground and go in your house and chill. He says, no, your faith is you believe that what I have said is going to come to pass. And the way I get to see that you believe that is that you start doing the things necessary that take something to produce in the earth. But you know, we Pastor and I say this all the time. If God, let, help me finish this statement. If God don't help us, they didn't hear you. If God don't help us, that is our belief system. If God doesn't help us, we, with all our degrees, are going to fail. As smart as she is, if God don't help us, we're going to fail. As many connections as you got, if God doesn't help you, you are going to fail. Nothing wrong with networking, but I've never been a person who put all my faith in networking. I ain't put, put, trying to smooth and, and brown over to everybody. Yeah, you ought to be polite. Yeah, you need to get to know people. At the end of the day, if God don't help you, you're going to fail, though. Yeah. Because the Bible says it is God who touches a man's heart and who turns a man's heart left or right. So you can have somebody who's good friends with you who want to give you the job, but if God don't touch their heart, you won't get it. Come on. It says, for there is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, how's the just going to live? By now. Let's talk about this, because I've, I've taught this wrong before. When we say the just shall live by faith, y'all tell me what that means. Don't be afraid, because we, we all family. If you're wrong, we'll laugh and keep going. Come on. <laughs> okay. She said, those of us who are justified, we live by what God said. Anybody agree with that? 
Y'all gonna leave past you? Y'all gonna leave me? Y'all gonna leave past you out there? <laughs> and y'all was like, yeah, I give a finger, maybe. <laughs> y'all gonna leave past you out there? Okay, Tim says she gonna believe. All right, all right. Anybody else got? If y'all don't believe, then I guess y'all got something else. What else? Oh, now y'all, now everybody won't believe. Oh, okay, all right, all right, all right, all right. Listen, that's true. Wish it, say it again, babe. Mm -hmm. Live by what God said. You hear what she said? Live by what God said. Live by what God said. Live by what God said. Not what God is saying. And I know we've heard that before. But live by what God said. And what God said 2,000 years ago is that you were free. What he said 2,000 years ago is that you were saved. Listen, you were saved before you were ever born. Now, you didn't know it. So you had to wake up to it. But the work of getting you saved was already done. It's like me building you a house today, but I don't give it to you to three years from now. It was still your house. It was already built for you. And, and, and the issue is that in the church, we've taught people so many times that this living by faith is really about what we do, if, you, if you're honest. That's what we tell people. You got to live by faith. And then we say, what? Faith is what? Action. So we spend all our life trying to do something. We spend our life trying to do something to get God to do something, to get God to respond. I, I, I'm living by faith, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to do something. The truth of the matter is the only act of faith you got to have is to believe God. Now, that sounds so simple. It's like, well, that's boring. <laughs> but that's the only act of faith you need is to believe God. What did God say? And if you can grab hold of that, you can believe it. All right, let's look at this. Um, let's go to... What do I have next? I think I have Ephesians 2 and 8. Ephesians 2 and 8 says, for by what? Are you through? Just, 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 just take that sentence there. Just take that sentence. This is how everything works in the kingdom. That's it. And it was like it was it was like a ton a ton of bricks hit me when I when, when I was studying it. But I mean, if you think about, it, for by grace, who did the grace part? God. Are we what delivered, delivered through what believing. through believing that He what did it? <laughs> that that is literally the gospel. That is the nearly too good to be true news. We don't have to do anything. But believe what he has done. He says, and that not of what? But this grace thing comes from who? It comes from God. So not your righteousness. Not how good you can be. And what happens is, is when people hear this, they kind of go, you know, I don't know about this. There's got to be something more to it. It just, it just can't be this easy. It's, it's got to be, it's gotta be something else, though, because I know what people say. Well, what about the people who lie, Pastor? <laughs> Do you know adultery doesn't send you to hell? It doesn't. Lying doesn't send you to hell. Huh. You may live like hell, but it doesn't send you to hell. Because what Christ did for you was a finished work. And the only condition to receiving it was what? Believing. All right. Let's, let's, let's go back to something else then. 
contrary to popular teaching in our country, God will not withdraw his power from you based on sin in your life. Now, people don't like that. But contrary to the popular teaching in this country, God will not withdraw his power because of sin. Now, now if you've been listening, I'm going to test you. What is the power of God? Grace. God doesn't withdraw his grace because of sin. If God doesn't withdraw his grace because of sin, then even if you sin, God will still bless you. Now, that ain't, now, now see, that will absolutely, folk be, that just, that, uh, seriously, that just throws people. People like, I just, I hear what you say, but I don't believe that. I don't care. The word says something different. God does not withdraw, the power of God is the, say this, say the power of God, power of God is, the is the grace of God. Say God, God does, not does not withdraw, withdraw his power. Which is his grace from you because of sin. Now, am I advocating sin? No. No. I'm not advocating sin. But here's the problem with religious mindsets. Religious mindset says if you tell people they can sin, they will sin. Not if you love them. If my wife said to me, you can go out and have an affair, but it's going to break my heart, I wouldn't do it. God says, I love you. You can go do whatever you want to do, and I'm going to always love you. But you show God you love him by keeping his commandments. But a religious mindset says, oh, no, we got to scare the hell out of people so they'll be not terrified not to do it. That's not love. The Bible says perfect love casts fear out of doors. Now, it's a hard concept. I get it. I get it. I get it. I get it. Paul got it. Go to Romans chapter 6. Paul got it. Paul preaching to them. He's talking to them about the grace of God. He's talking to them about about the power of God. He's talking to them about how sin no longer has dominion over them. Chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3, chapter 4, chapter 5. At the end of chapter 5, somebody says, well, what about sin? Can we just keep on sinning? Well, Paul answered the question, Romans chapter 6. He says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin so that the power of God can abound? Do we just keep on, do we find out, do we get a revelation that God loves us even if we sin? And we go, yo, God loves me even if I sin, so now I'm going to do everything I wanted to do. He says, do we just do that? He says, what's the next verse? God forbid. How you dead to sin and you're going to keep on doing it? If you keep on sinning, the fact that you love God or don't love God didn't have nothing to do with it. You just ain't dead to it. You just wasn't dead to sin. It ain't got nothing to do with whether you love God or not. You just hadn't died to it. Once you die to it, you don't serve it no more. In fact, you know what I wasn't going to do? Hey, if y'all, somebody back there, give me the same chapter, I want these same verses after message translation. Because the reality of it is, is that it don't do no good to come to church and to talk about this stuff and still have an old jacked up mindset. It just doesn't. And the church has got to stop trying to terrify people into doing right. You, listen, if, if, if you got somebody and you beat them every day, they're going to comply, but the moment you ain't beating them, they're going to go do what they want to do. That's not love. 
That's not love. You know, we counsel people before. <laughs> we were counseling a couple one time, and the dude was like, well, if she don't, if she don't, if she don't go back, I'm going to beat her up. Oh, that's going to work. Yeah, she's going to really come back then, threatening to beat her up if she don't come back. Gotcha. <laughs> but that's how we sound about God and sin. Watch this. Watch this. Because I ain't scared of y'all. Watch this. It says, so what do we do? Keep on sinning so God can keep on for- forgiving? Because he will. He says, but is that why we do it? He says, I should hope not. If we've left the country where sin is sovereign, how can we still live in our old house? He says, or did you not realize that we packed up and left there for good? If we, when we moved out of the house on Drexelwood, we ain't been back since. We moved from Drexelwood to Savannah Lane and ain't never been back inside Drexelwood. Because when you pack up and leave a place, you don't keep going back. So don't tell me that I get saved, that if somebody tell me that sin don't have an impact, I'm going to keep on sinning. I left sin a long time ago. He says this, that is what happened in baptism. When we went under the water, we left the old country of sin behind. And people say, well, what if you didn't get water baptized? It's talking about a spiritual baptism. He says, when we went under the water, we left the old country of sin behind. When we came out of the water, we entered into the new country of God's power. The power of God. In a new life and in a what? Keep going. That's what baptism into the life of Jesus means. It says, when we are lowered into the water... It is like the burial of Jesus. When we are raised up out of the water, it is like the resurrection of Jesus. Each of us is raised into a light-filled world by our Father so that we can see where we are going in our new grace-sovereign country. Next verse. It says, could it be any clearer? That, that's, listen, this is what Paul was preaching to them because he spent all this time writing these letters to them, all the wonderful things about God, and here's what they had to say. But what about sin? <laughs> but what about sin, though? Because some, I mean, sin is a big deal. I mean, it's, it's, it's major. But I thought Christ was. Because, see, the Bible says that Christ dealt with all of our sins, past, present, and future. He dealt with them. If you deal with something, it's not a recurring issue. It may be an issue for you. It's not an issue for God. God doesn't look at your life and go, Chris, you got three sins in your life, so I can't bless you to Wednesday. <laughs> it's just not what he does. He, he, he just doesn't do that. He doesn't withdraw his power because of sin. How could you ever be, thank you, preacher. How could you ever be free? That's why people leave the church, though. Because folks are hurting. Folk don't know how to do the right thing. They don't know how to live because you got to be taught. You don't have to be taught how to get. I mean, you just got to believe to be saved. You got to be taught how to live. But folks come to church and what we want to do is pick their sins apart. And it's typically the ones that we either don't struggle with no more or we don't have. 
Uh-huh. Because if I'm a cusser, I ain't going to talk to you about your cussing. But I can talk to you about your bad attitude if I don't have one. But God ain't concerned about that. God's not concerned about that. God, God's got this mentality that I can be so good to you, you'll want to be good to me. That, it's really the theology of marriage. As a man, if you can be so good to your woman, she'll want to be good to you. No, it's, it's, it's the truth. It's the truth. And, and God set it up that way. You can get your wife to do anything if you be good to her. No, no. I'm serious. I'm serious. If, if you take care of every one of her needs, unless she just the devil. <laughs> unless she just a straight up demon. I'm talking about an imp from the lowest level. She'll do anything for you. Anything for you. Because it's the headship of Christ. It's what he showed us. The Bible says you can look in the earth and you can see everything that's in heaven. It's an example of it. And if you want to take care, if you want to, I know, I know. If you want to take care, <laughs> if you want to take care of her needs and you want your needs to be met, take care of hers first. God says, I created you that we can love on each other. So I'm going to take care of your needs first. And I'm not going to let sin stop that. I know it's tough. I know it's tough, but it's right because the reality of it, let, let's keep reading. He says, our old way of life was nailed to the cross with Christ. A decisive end to that sin, miserable life. No longer at sins every what? What we believe is this. If we get included in Christ's sin, conquering death, we also get included in his life-saving resurrection. We know that when Jesus was raised from the dead, it was a signal of the end of death as the end. Never again would death have the last word. When Jesus died, he took sin down with him. When he died, he took sin down with him. What does that mean? It means that God, Jesus, whatever you want to call it, ain't tripping about sin. And if he ain't tripping about sin, you shouldn't be tripping about sin. What does that mean? It means you got to change from being so sin conscious to being God conscious. Because whatever you focus on gets magnified. And if you're focused on God, you ain't focused on sin. How can you be? But man, this is a hard pill for the church, especially in America. But you find somebody in Africa who's been taught this, and they get manifestation like that. They have radical healings. Why? Because they ain't trying to pray and, and, and ask God to heal. They're like, yo, Jesus has healed every one of you. Every one of you. Come down here right now and receive Jesus. Jesus has healed every one of you. Man, woman, and girl, come down here now. And they all come to the altar. And, they, and the Bible says they all go away healed. <laughs> I got to be just gone now. But, but, but for real, though. But, but, not, but, you, but go to a Christian conference in America. Go to a Christian conference in America. Come on. Let's, come to the, let's labor. We got to tear it for the Lord. 
Save me, Lord. Come, come on, say it ten times. Save me, Lord. 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 And then we wonder why it's not working. Have you not ever noticed that though? You, if you don't believe me, go and look at one of those conferences that they have. Those people don't know half the word that you know. All they know is this. God did it. I believe. Y'all should come and believe too. And they have miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. But we're so smart over here. We done added so many things to it to check the list, to check the box, to make it harder for you than it is for me so that I can feel better than you do. And that's, and, and, and that's just not the gospel. It says, but alive, he brings God down to us. It says, from now on, think of it this way. Sin speaks a dead language, and it means nothing to you. God speaks your mother tongue now, and you hang on to every word. You are dead to sin and alive to God. That's what Jesus did. That's what Jesus did. Why am I teaching this? I want you to stop being concerned about how good you've been, how well you've done it, whether you got it right every single time. I want you to just focus on believing God. Because if you just believe, if, if you just believe God, that's your part. I promise you God will do his. He has never failed. He has never, ever failed. Sin will not stop the power of God or deliverance in your life. Watch this. But trusting in your own works will. So sin won't stop God from working in your life, but you believe it and you will. What does that mean? You believe in you got to check every box. You believe in that, you, that if you made a mistake, you ain't worthy. Now, let's just be honest. Just be honest with me this morning. Have you ever done anything and then you thought to yourself, you did something, you needed something for God, but then a thought came to your mind that you probably didn't deserve it because of what you had done? Anybody ever had that before? Yes, you have. And those of you who have it, you lying. You have because the Bible says the devil is the accuser of the brethren. It is his job to remind you of why God won't do what God said he would do. Somebody told me one time, they said, well, you know, Holy Spirit convicts you. No, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. I know people have taught that, but the Holy, the Holy Spirit's name is paraclete. The word paraclete means teacher, not convictor. The Bible says the devil is a convictor. He is the accuser. The Holy Spirit's job is to teach you the right way. But he doesn't convict you. Why? Because he ain't concerned about sin. He's not concerned about sin. So all that stuff you be talking about when you be like, well, the Holy Spirit told me don't cuss him. No, the Holy Spirit said the right thing to do is this. He didn't focus on, and, and, and it doesn't be like, and, and sometimes, here's what happens. You do something you know you shouldn't do, that's your intellect telling you you should have done that. If I read back and kick Chris right now, I know I ain't sure supposed to be doing that. I mean, you just know you're not supposed to do that. So I don't need the Holy Spirit to go, oh, you... In the name of the Holy One, thy Father, you should not have kicked it to Chris it thou. No. 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 That, 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 you, the, the reality of it is, is that the Holy Spirit is there to prompt us on the right direction. It's like a GPS guide. You, how irritating would it be to have a GPS? 
It says, turn left at 400 feet. Turn left at 200 feet. Turn left at 50 feet. Hey, fool, you missed a turn. <laughs> Nobody would even keep that GPS. How stupid could you be? I can't believe you missed that turn. Turn around, fool. We're going to be late. But that's what we think the Holy Spirit does. He doesn't do that. He says, hey, you missed the turn. Tell you what, let's reroute you. Let's get you back on track. Why? Because it's not dealing with the fact that you missed it. It's not dealing with the fact that you missed it. You Tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, you love God. But between now and whenever, you're going to miss it. You are. I don't care who you are. You're going to miss it. You're going to make a mistake. You're going to sin. You're going to mess up. But that doesn't take God's power from you. God. It doesn't withdraw his power. And if you could live in that kind of freedom, you'd be able to receive from God. What time is it? I can't teach all this. What time is it? <laughs> it's got to be late in there. What's, no, for real, what time is it? What time is it? <laughs> no, we go. Listen, I told Pastor Sean it might take me six weeks to get through this. It really might. And I'm not going to rush it. But here, here's, here's what I want to say. So, so let's look at Romans. Romans chapter 1. Again, I got to say this. I am not advocating sin. But this is the but what what happened a few moments ago, the way everybody felt about that, is the immediate reaction that comes up when you start talking to people about righteousness. When you start talking to people about righteousness, people get indignant because what they want to do is they want to own some ownership in their goodness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hey, I, I, I feel like, I feel, Ralph, 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 I, I, feel like, I feel like Pastor Bill. I want to say it like I want to say it. I want to feel like, I, I want, when we, we had a men's conference one time, <laughs> and Pastor Bill was preaching, and Pastor Bill was preaching so good, Pastor Bill said, can I say it like I want to say it? And everybody said, yeah, and he said it, but you ain't going to do that. <laughs> but what I want to get you to understand, here's the reality of it is, if we have some ownership in how good we are, we feel good about it. And that's just the truth. Especially if I get to compare myself to you. If I get to compare myself to you. If I can compare myself to you and you and you and you and you and you and you. If I can compare myself to y'all and I'm more righteous, I can stick my chest out just a little bit further. But the problem is, is that God knew that was going to be exactly the problem. So he said, I'm going to do away with it so nobody can boast. It's what the scripture says. He said, no man can boast in this. In, in what? In this grace that I have given to you. Nobody gets to claim that they need anything for it. It's all because of me that you have it. So the Bible says in Romans chapter 1. Verse, are we in verse 18 and 19? Can we go to Romans 1, 18, 19? I done skipped around so much, I'll rearrange this next week. Ah, uh, look at this. But because, again, I just want to give you some foundational stuff because, man, when we get to page 19 over here, whew, 
Yeah, no. It says, people knew God perfectly well. Is this still the message? It's fine if it is. Okay, people knew God. Let me, let me read it out of the King James Version, then we'll read it here. Here's what it says. For the wrath of God has already been revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. That's what they hold. They hold truth in unrighteousness. They hold truth in what they can make righteous. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God had shown it unto them. He says, people knew God perfectly well, but they didn't treat him like God, refusing to worship him. They trivialized themselves into silliness and confusion so that there was neither sense nor direction left in their lives. They pretended to know it all, but were, Ill were illiterate regarding life. It says they traded the glory of God who holds the whole world in his hands for cheap figurines you could buy at any roadside stand. Here's what he's saying in Romans, because remember we read Romans 1, 16, we read 17, 18 and 19 says this. It says, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in righteousness. Because that which, may be no, that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God, for God has shown it unto them. Now notice, when you read this in the King James, it says it's manifest in them. It didn't say to them, and that's the difference. It says, for God has shown it unto them. Understand this, God has put inside of every person, I don't care what your religion is, I don't care what your color is, I don't care what your gender is, I don't care what your race is, I don't care nothing about that. Inside of every human being, there is this thing that God has put on the inside of every person that they intrinsically know whether something is good or bad. It is. Even mass murderers, as crazy as they want to be, know that what they're doing is not right. They may not control, be able to control it. They may not be able to stop the urge. But inside of every person, because God put that inside of every single person so that we would understand that, that some things are right and some things are wrong. And, 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 and what we have to understand is that we, don't, we as Christians, we don't need to spend our time telling people all the stuff they did wrong. You go to any church service. I, I, I give you permission to miss a couple weeks if you need to. Go to a church service, just any church service around. I don't care about the denomination. I don't care about anything. And sit there for 30 or 40 minutes and hear what the preacher's talking about. He's telling people all the stuff they did wrong. People don't need to hear what they did wrong. They need to hear what Jesus did right. That's what people need to hear. Somehow we have thought in our minds that in order to get people saved, we got to preach to them about what they did wrong. But do you know that's not what the Bible says? The Bible said, it didn't say scaring people will bring people to God. It says the, it is the that does what? How is telling somebody if you don't change, you're going to bust hell wide open good? Now, I don't know where you grew up. That's what they told us. That's exactly what they told us. And then they say something that I still don't understand. They say, you're going to lift up your eyes in hell. Yep. What? Yep. But that's what they used to tell us. So, every, so I became very sin conscious. And do you know what happened the more sin conscious I became? The more sin I did. I ain't trying to be disrespectful to anybody, but that's why they said the culture girls was the most freaky. I can say it because I grew up there. 
That's what they used to say. Because everything was about compressing yourself and thinking about sin. And when your mind gets riddled with sin, 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 what comes out of you is So, so we don't talk to, we, we don't spend a lot of time talking to our kids about a lot of sin stuff. We talk to them about vision. Because if you tell somebody about their vision, you tell somebody who they are, you tell them what God created them to be, you tell them all the wonderful things they had, who wants to go away from that? But the truth of the matter is, as a church, we haven't, we don't, we don't, can I just say this? We don't believe that people hearing about the goodness of God will be enough. That's just the truth. That's, that's just the truth. We don't believe that if you tell somebody God loves you, God has a great life for you, God got all of these things designed for you, and that's why you shouldn't do X, Y, and Z, we don't really believe that hearing that is enough. So what we do is we add our stuff to it, and we try to scare them into doing the right thing, which may actually even work, but it doesn't give you a real picture of your Heavenly Father. It doesn't give you a real picture of your Heavenly Father. And when it doesn't give you a real picture of your Heavenly Father, and now you're going around trying to live this gospel with a misconception. I think this is a good place to stop. Let me, let me see something here. Yeah, I don't want to... Uh, all right. Let, let, what, 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 so, so here's the issue. When people talk about grace and faith, many times they see them as opposing forces. Grace and faith are not opposing forces. They don't oppose each other. But if you had a flashlight, what makes the flashlight work? Mm, it helps. What if you got batteries? What if you just got batteries? If you, all together. You need every component. You need every part, right? You need the light. You need the lens. You need the casing. You need the electrical, the electrical parts. You need the batteries. You need it all. And so many times we understand that about all kinds of stuff in the world. But when it comes to the gospel, we just forget about it. What do you need to make your car start? Just a key? No. A combustible engine? You need all gas, oil, pistons. I mean, you need all kinds of things to make it work. And we're good with that in the world. Valley is extremely talented on that keyboard. But if I unplug it, you can't hear it. <laughs> He's just, he just over there pecking. We don't know what he's doing. <laughs> I, I mean, and we understand that in the world, but when it comes to the Bible, we want to say this one thing. You got to be a faith person. Word of faith. Uh, you need word of faith, but word of faith ain't you doing something. That's called word of works. But you also can't be one of those lackadaisical kind of person. Just go, well, God did it, so I'm cool with it. Just whatever he's going to do, he's going to do it. Because <laughs> it doesn't work that way either. It's got to be, yo, God did this. He says, this is for me. I'm going to believe. Yeah. And when grace and faith are in balance, manifestation shows up. Anything you ever got in your life, that's how you got it, whether you knew it or not. What I want us to do is learn how to duplicate it so it happens all the time. So it happens all the time. Now, again, Pastor Edwin is not telling you to go out and sin. I'm not telling you to go out and do anything that you know you're not supposed to be doing. What I am asking you, though, 
is to stop always equating what God is doing in your life based on what you have done. You ain't good enough to make it happen. You ain't good enough to make it happen. You ain't smart enough. You're not talented enough. You don't know enough. If you did, you'd have it. We got to start saying, okay, God, how do I change my thinking? And I know it don't happen overnight. Listen, I got some things I'll put in the group. Some of the, I got to rearrange this a little bit. I got way off. But, but there are some things I'll, I'll, I'll put in the group that I, that I think I tried to cover today. I encourage you to read them. Listen, I know that Carlton Pearson blew it when he came out with the gospel of inclusion. And here's why. Here's what he said, which is not what I'm saying. He said everybody in the world is saved, whether they know it or not. Okay? I believe that. I believe everybody in the world is saved, whether they know it or not. But then he went a step further and said they don't even have to acknowledge God as the son of man. I don't believe that. Because that's not what the Bible says. Everybody is saved. You have to wake up to know it. That's all you did. Now, I know you think you repented and you shook a little bit and cried and snotted, but that ain't had nothing to do with it. That ain't had nothing to do with it. Christ died for the whole world. You got to believe that. He died for the whole world. He doesn't re-die every time somebody wants to be born again. He doesn't re-die. The, the Bible says, in fact, sometimes the way we believe is like nailing him to the cross again. When he died on that cross, he took care of everything concerning mankind. It's why the Bible says he gave us all things that pertain to life and colleagueness. When I say he did it all, he did it all. Now, you and I just got to wrestle and untangle this teaching that we've gotten over the years. I told somebody today, I'm going to apologize to everybody I ever taught that wrong to. Because I did. I taught that wrong. I taught exactly the way I was taught. There's a researcher by the name of John Goodlad. And John Goodlad says, teachers teach the way they were taught, whether it was good or bad, unless they learned something different. That's why some of y'all get so frustrated when you're trying to help your kids with math right now. Because you're trying to teach them the way you were taught. No, real, real, no, real talk. If you got little kids, no, if you got little kids, you frustrated. You talking about, I don't care what your teacher said. You just borrow and carry. <laughs> you hollering at your kids? <laughs> See, I know, I know. I know. Because unless you get new teaching, unless you get new teaching, you can only teach what you taught. That's it. I can't tell you how many times when I sit there at that table. You know, finally by saying, like, well, you know, just let your daddy help you. Okay. <laughs> I was trying to save you from saying that. <laughs> but it's true. Even when they started doing that, though, you know, and I, I, I thank God, really, for, for Springdale Schools because they, ha they hosted those meetings to try to help parents to understand, hey, the, the way we're asking kids to do something is different. And different don't mean wrong. Different don't mean wrong. I know you borrowed and carried, but, but there really is no such thing as borrowing and carrying the idea of regrouping in groups of tens and fifties and hundreds and so forth and there's a rationale for why they do it and if you do it right watch this because this is a good point I'm not just rambling here if you allow your kids to learn math the way they're doing it now 
they will actually understand math and not just be able to duplicate right. little processes. It's true. If I asked most of you adults right now to do fractions on the number line, you wouldn't have a clue. You wouldn't have a clue. But do you understand the best way for, to understand a fraction is on a number line? Because that's what numbers are. Zeros in the middle to negative infinity to positive infinity. In every space in between, there is a fraction of something. But what they told you, just flip it. And they told you all these nuances. And that's really what the church, uh, why, Pastor, why are you talking about? That's what the church has taught us. All of these nuances to be saved. But it didn't take all that. It didn't take all that. And if you will allow yourself to be challenged in this area, don't get mad at me. Don't shoot the messenger. Go study it for yourself. Go study it for yourself. And when you study, here's what I'll tell you. I encourage you to talk to me. But when you study it, you can't just get one scripture. The Bible says to let everything be established by two or three witnesses. You got to find two or three scriptures in the historical context of it. We're going to look at the words in the Greek and the Hebrew and see their translations and see what it means. And I am so positive of what I'm teaching you right this moment. I am so positive of it that I would encourage you to have the conversation. Listen, if your goal is to sin, you don't care what I say. You're going to sin. If, 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 if your idea is, oh, pastor just gave me a hall pass, you, had, you, were, you, were gonna, you, you were just waiting for somebody to You were just waiting. You, you were just waiting. You, or, or, or whatever. But you, you, were, you was waiting. You was waiting. I'm talking about, you know, we sing songs like freedom. That's what this word is. Read Romans. Read Acts. Read Galatians and Ephesians. It's funny because I was really, I started on this journey because I was asking God about all of this stuff that I wasn't doing because it wasn't producing. And he said something to me on that plane, it was just mind blowing. He said, you getting everything you producing. He said, you getting, I'm like, God, but why? I, 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 I listen, I had a list. I had a list. Lord, I love people now. You know I used to stand people. I love them now, God. <laughs> God, I let people hug me now, Jesus. I mean, just all of this stuff. Just, just all of this stuff, right? <laughs> just all of this stuff. And God was like, you're getting everything you're producing. And then he asked me a question. He said, when did you lose your way? Now, I don't know about you, but if God asks you a question like that, you can't respond fast because you know it's deeper than that. Right. Like, I don't know, Lord. He said, go back and read what's required. And he started with salvation. He said, how did you get saved? He said, I asked you to save me. I prayed the prayer of salvation. I cried in front of people, God. He said, ain't none of that. that uh -uh. Go back and read it. So I went back and actually read it. It had been so long since I had actually read what it took to be saved, I was believing what I had told people it takes to be saved. And he was like, no. And when I read it, I was like, yo, you mean all I have to do is believe that you did it? That's my only job? 
That's it? I like, but what about seeing no God? You tripping. You playing. What about what about seeing? He said, did I say anything about seeing in there? Say anything about what you got to do to get right? You know we tell people that, right? You need to get yourself right and come to church. That's right. That's exactly what she said is exactly right. It's lots of people in this city right here who would like to come to church, but they think they got to get right first. They think they got to get right first. And then we reinforce it. We reinforce it when they come to church. When they actually come, when they actually get courageous enough to come through the door, we reinforce the fact that they're not right by spending 40 minutes talking about how they're not right. And then at the end, we spend five minutes talking about how he died. All night, Friday night. All night, Saturday night. And early on Sunday, them two and a half days. We got to start telling people, look, God loves you. And I'm not concerned about your sin. That'll get fixed. I just need you to know who God is, and I need you to know how much he's loved you and what he's done for you. And if you mess up, don't trip. Stay with God. Because the issue is, is the devil wants you to run from God when you mess up. He wants sin to be the issue. He wants sin to be the thing that causes you to say, you know what, God, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. I'm just not. You've been, you're so good, but I've been so bad, God, I'm not. I, I, I can't even ask you for it. That's what he wants you to do. But if he cannot do that, he can't stop you. So I got a lot more, but we'll talk about it next week or whenever I'm back again, or whatever the case may be. Next week, amen. Next week we will be uh, at, so this is our last time meeting here until July. We will be at the Doubletree uh, from now until July. They had a lot of weddings uh, over the course of the next several weeks here. And so when we booked this last year, we knew that. And so May the 28th, 